It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, where every week we're trying to add value to your life and helping, well, urge you to take your next wise step in your financial life. That's what we say the goal is every week. My name is Mike Bernard, your host and one of the financial advisors on the show, along with my friends and colleagues, Kevin Corhorn and Joshua Gregory. Yeah, Mike, today uh, we're going to be talking about financial success, and it depends on you doing the right things. But not only do you need to do the right things, you need to avoid doing the wrong things. So whether you're in your 20s or your 70s or anywhere in between, we're going to be talking about the things that you want to avoid doing and how you can do some of the right things. All right. Visit us at wisemoneyradio.com to submit a question or get more information on the show or listen to past episodes. You can do that right there as well. Give us a call, 574-222-2000 if you're driving and you have a comment or a question. And you can also reach out to us, connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Wise Money Radio. Okay, folks, so we're launching the show with a question from Brian. We got a question from Brian here recently. He's 31. He's from Elkhart. Here's what he said. I'm still new to saving up for the future, but I'm pretty concerned about all the ups and downs of the market and that we're going to see another crash soon. That's on a lot of people's minds. Uh, I don't want to make a mistake, so should I be more conservative with my investments to protect my money, is what he asked. That's a great question, and thanks for sending that in, Brian. I I especially like it because it feels like an ageless question. It's it's one that we get all the time, people wondering, okay, am I prepared for the next downturn in the markets? Should I be getting more conservative with my investments? And there's almost this mentality uh, that a lot of investors feel that, you know, if if you experience some sort of a drop in value in your investments, then you must have done something wrong or made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like thinking that. Um, well, th- their their argument, I guess, is that smart investors don't do that. First of all, right? Smart investors somehow see the dip coming and they can maneuver fast enough and avoid it altogether. But uh, to to do that, that would be like. The, the quarterback always avoiding the sack, right? That a, a good quarterback doesn't ever get sacked. To me, though, the, the most effective quarterbacks are the people who don't do something foolish when they're about to get sacked. They don't throw an interception. They don't fumble the ball, that kind of thing. And as a Michigan fan, you're pretty well aware I know, of those mistakes. This is, uh, Devin Gardner. Thank you very Bernard little Robinson. there. Yeah. But <clears throat> the same is true with investors, right? The successful investors aren't the people who avoid the dips in their investments. They're the people who don't do something foolish when it comes. Mm-hmm. We're going to have another market decline at some point, and what you do when it happens is what matters. And so getting too conservative uh, either now or at the bottom of a dip is one of the biggest mistakes that you can make. And this sense that I need to get conservative so that I don't experience that decline is, uh, I I guess I would throw up a red flag Mm -hmm. and um, and just give warning that getting too conservative, because Brian's 31 years old. Yeah, I was going to circle back to that. Right. I mean, at at this age, so if you're 65, you're withdrawing a lot of money to live on and you're taking too much risk, 
now might be the exact right time to get a little more conservative if, if for your overall picture. But at 31, Brian, yeah, I, I'd caution you there. Yeah, and, and looking at your question here, Brian, you're saying, uh, so should I be more conservative with my investments to protect my money? At 31, Brian, you should hope for a dip and become more aggressive to protect your money. Because mm. when you're thinking about being 31, you probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of 40 to 60 years left on this earth. And so the money that is invested is likely for a long-term purpose. And so really that money, you want to cheer the market down. And it's interesting as I've talked to folks who are watching the election returns on election night and watching the Dow futures going down 800 points. Some folks are saying, man, I was thinking I need to call my financial advisor and make sure we get out of the market. And yet I talked to some people who've been very successful and they were saying, yeah, we were talking about where we had some extra money laying around that we might be able to get invested if the, if the market did take a, a, a big sudden drop there. So I think, Brian, what you want to do is to continue to play the, the tape in your head that says when the market goes down, I'm buying more and I'm buying more for the long term. And the best way to protect my money is to have it invested in investments that will outpace inflation and taxes over the long haul. That's hard advice to accept sometimes emotionally. And Josh, to your point, I do think a lot of people are feeling the same way, concerned about where the market is and wondering whether they should get conservative or whether they can call the right play and avoid that sack, as as you eloquently put it. So listen, Brian, I want to take this question and launch off of it into regardless of where you're at, whatever stage you're at in life, what are some crucial financial mistakes that you need to be aware of so that you can avoid them and not get tripped up in your own financial life. This coincides, well, not really. A couple months ago, uh, Wall Street Journal came out with an article talking about something very similar and just so happens uh, that for Brian's age group or close to, they said one of the biggest mistakes was getting too conservative with your investments. And so I thought we'd take a similar approach here. We're going to take this Wall Street article uh, and post it on the blog so you can take a look. But I thought it'd be interesting for the three of us to break down what do we see the biggest mistakes are kind of generation by generation or age band by age band. And so let's let's launch off from there. Guys, let's talk about the biggest financial mistake that you see, that we see for someone who's in their 20s listening right now. Uh, the one I would throw out there um, is maybe racking up too much debt early on. Mm. Um, if you think about it, uh, many people are entering into uh, the workforce either out of college or out of high school, and they're often quick to just start borrowing money like crazy. I mean, m- many of them who are graduating from college, uh, I read uh, earlier that uh, $37,000 is the average debt for a 2016 college grad. That's college debt. I'm shaking my head. It's unbelievable. Well, consider this. Average credit card debt is another Mm -hmm. $5,800 in that age band. And then the average car loan for a new car purchase has now reached $28,000. So you think about these kind of what we almost consider to be just normal debt that a lot of people, oh, it's just what you do when you're getting started in life. You go borrow some money and start buying some stuff. Well, when you do that, uh, you start racking up debt in a hurry, and you're obligating yourself to these monthly payments that are squeezing something out of your life. 
Yep. And often it's the ability to save up for the long-term goals, to build a strong foundation in your financial life early on. See, I say one of the things that's robbing you, I, I had the exact same, I had a few others listed, but the exact same number one mistake, but I phrased it differently. And, and I, I think it'd be helpful helpful for some of you. And that is don't spend much of your future, don't spend too much of your future earnings. Because when you're borrowing money today, you're actually using your future income today because it's going to require that future income to make that debt payment. Now that is in complete, um, at complete ends with what I would argue the most important financial um, foundation is, and that is being proactive with your finances. This is the exact opposite. Now I understand you need to borrow money at stages or at certain times because it's just necessary. You do need a new car. However, out of principle, I would argue avoid borrowing as much as possible. And so I would agree that's just easy to do at in your 20s when you've got a lot of life to launch into, buying a car, getting through school, whatever else, and you're not making much money. But be right. careful to spend too much of tomorrow's earnings today. Especially if you're spending it on consumption yeah. or buying something that's going to decline in value, mm-hmm. right? Because what we didn't talk about, and th- this has been a trend, especially amongst millennials, that they're postponing um, when they buy a house sometimes because it just doesn't fit in a budget. And in house, especially your first house, is one of the things that I said, yeah, you know, debt's somewhat necessary. But yeah, if you're avoiding that, but you're incurring debt for other things, lifestyle, gosh, that's, that can be even more dangerous. Yep. And just to tie into what we, to Brian's question from the article, they studied the, the 100 millennials and they said they have way too much cash in their investment portfolios, whether that's their 401k or, or whatever else. So, Brian, your, your age band, the, the big concern is you're not taking enough risk for your long-term investments. That was fascinating to me because it actually compares um, not just millennials, but every generation prior to them that's currently living. And actually the older generations are willing to take more risk with their investments. I would have said the exact opposite. I want to pick that back up because we're going to talk about the big mistakes in your 30s too, and there's a pretty close parallel. So that and much more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hey, good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name's Mike. Got Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory in the MNC studio with me. And a special thanks, as always, to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the Wise Money Show. Thank you so much. Right now, we're answering a question from Brian, really, about whether at age 31 he should get more conservative with his investments because he's feeling this is a risky time. And we're using that to talk about various financial mistakes that can really derail someone's financial success. We're right in the middle of that. If you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 574-222-2000, or check us out at wisemoneyradio.com or on Facebook at Wise Money Radio. Okay, so so basically Brian's question was, hey, I'm 31, I'm just starting to save up, and I'm concerned about where things are at, so I'd, I'm wondering whether I should get conservative with my investments to avoid a big mistake. And we kind of pointed out, Josh, you pointed out that, hey, you know, that, that actually could be a big mistake. 
trying to avoid some short-term dips when actually you should be aggressive then and buying on those dips at this age. And so we said, we're going to launch into your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and so on. What are some of the biggest financial mistakes you need to be watchful of? And we said in the 20s, one of the biggest mistakes is getting too much debt, so avoid debt. And then this one of getting too conservative with your investments. I want to jump into the 30s here uh, and talk about, well, what are the biggest mistakes in that age band? Yeah, hey, Mike, before we make that jump into the 30s, I I was looking at in the 20s, what are the things that I'm doing? And there are th- things that I'm moving towards and moving away from. So hopefully in my 20s, I'm moving away from poverty and I want to move squarely into the middle class or I might have higher expectations. But our capitalistic system has lifted more people out of poverty and into the middle class than any other system ever in the history of the world. So you say, well, what do I need to do to avoid being poor or avoid long-term poverty? And the Brookings Institute says you need to do three things to avoid being poor. So if you are younger, uh, listen to these three things and do these three, three things. One, complete high school. Number two, work full time. And number three, marry before you have children. If you do those three things, your chances of being poor fall from 12% to 2%. So you pretty much almost rule out being poor. And I'll, I'll tell you those again. Number one, complete high school. Number two, work full time. And number three, marry before you have children. You know the word that comes to mind when I hear you say that, and, and maybe this applies to not only 20-year-olds but or those in their 20s, but also in their 30s, um, is the the risk of becoming impatient mm-hmm. and you know trying to achieve everything, all, all your hopes and dreams really fast right out of the gate. And when you don't have the resources to do it, people fall into the trap of borrowing money for the purpose of you know buying more house than maybe they can afford. They want to live in the house that mom and dad have graduated to because that's what they know, yeah. right? They want to drive a car that matches the image that they want to portray. They want to be able to vacation in the places where other friends vacation. And in the end, the risk is is that they get out ahead of what their true capacity is to afford these things. Mm. They don't have a foundation in place. They started building the financial house before really truly laying uh, a strong foundation. And so, you know, I, I watch some of these fixer up fixer upper type shows. And it's funny to me how many times people go in and they buy a nice house. It's got good bones. You always hear people say, right, but it's sinking, right? The foundation is bad and they've spent all this money to jack it up, pour a new foundation because it wasn't built right to begin with. Mm. And the same thing happens in your financial life. If you start building too fast without laying a strong foundation. Well, I love it, Kevin, because those, it's simple, those three things. And um, it's kind of pervasive where it really doesn't apply to, you know, that that does apply. Whether you're white, you're black, you're Canadian, you're Indian. I mean, that that is it, it applies wherever you're at. And so that's that's good wisdom here. I, listen, I want to transfer into the 30s and talk about some of the biggest mistakes. And I'm just going to throw mine out there right away. You guys can can chat about it. And the, the one I'd mention is in your 30s, changing jobs too frequently. Mm. changing jobs too frequently. There is a study out there, and, and we see it as we, as we meet with folks, that uh, the average person changes a job every four years, three to four years, I think is what I've seen. And listen, when it comes to your financial future, usually before, no, you don't have a pension anymore, 
and you usually have to stay at a company for maybe a year before you're able to save up in the 401k. And then any match you get usually isn't yours if you leave within a couple of years or something called a vesting schedule. All of those things contribute to people just not starting to save as aggressively early on. And when you're bouncing from job to job to job, it can literally mean a lost decade or two decades where you just haven't built up much savings for, for the future. So I think that's a huge risk. Yeah, and big mistake. And it's one actually. I just saw this past week two different times. People who uh, left just before reaching that vesting schedule on their uh, employer plans, leaving dollars behind each time that you swap employers. Um, you know, when when you're effectively not getting any help from your employer because you're leaving the dollars on the table each time you're you're jumping ship, that has a cumulative effect over an entire career, and it. It's a mistake that you will feel the effects of when you're 60, 70, 80. But I also would call it a distraction because I've, I've just seen a lot of people who say, you know, I don't think I'm going to be here that long, so I'm not even going to get started saving because when I leave, I'm going to have to do something with this money. And it's just kind of a distraction. It's a distraction during some critical time in your life when you're going to want to have dollars saved up working for you. Yeah, and I think a big mistake that people make if they're going from job to job to job if they did get started in the retirement plan, they say, well, it's only a couple grand. I'll just cash that out because that's going to help me uh, get caught up on my bills or get pay the, ahead. Pay the truck off. Yeah. Right. Yep. I got it in, in or, you know, my neighbor's selling this bass boat. And if I, if I cash out my 401k, I, I have just enough money to buy that. And this is where um, if you know someone who's contemplating that, um, talk them down off of that ledge. Tell them, no, let the long-term money uh, serve you for the long term. You're in your 30s. You want to think, what would my 70 year old self be telling me? And and we all face these temptations. So we're not poking anyone in the eye by that temptation and so on. I would just encourage you, just because we've worked with folks who are in their 70s, saying, "I wish I'd have gotten started sooner." I mean, that is the most common phrase that you hear. And so just be wary of that. You can do it. You can do it, folks. You can avoid making that mistake. Uh, but stay focused within, within your 30s. Let's transition to 40s. So within your 40s, what is the biggest financial mistake that you guys see? It, you know, one I, I would uh, point out is not getting enough separation between your income and your lifestyle. You know, often by the time you get to your 40s, you've established yourself in your career. You should be earning more dollars because you have more expertise. You're more productive, that kind of thing. Um, but often as your income increases, lifestyle is marching up with it in lockstep. Lifestyle creep. That's right. Did you um, just call? <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the, the risk is that maybe, maybe you're even spending within your means. As you make more, you spend more, and you're feeling like, hey, I'm not going into debt to accumulate these things or to to uh, achieve these experiences, but you could still be over-consuming even without borrowing money, and it's simply because you're spending dollars that you may have really needed for other goals, and you just haven't done the right planning to uh, to squeeze those dollars out for your kid's education, for your retirement, that sort of thing. So how, do, how if you're listening to that and you think, gosh, that's a risk, uh, Josh, what's, what's the anecdote? The antidote. <laughs> Not funny. Okay, so yeah. so how do you, how do you overcome that? Well, to me, it's it's changing the way that you make your financial decisions, your buying decisions. You know, some people, maybe even most people, it's just a question of, do I want it? I'm going to buy it. 
Some might say, do I want it? Can I afford it? Mm-hmm. I want to buy it. I want you to inject one more question into the process there and say, do I want it? Can I afford it? But do I know what I'm going to be giving up by spending the money this way? Is there a goal that I am um, saying no to? Maybe I don't even realize I'm saying no to it because I haven't taken the time to build a plan. Mm. But if you know what you're giving up, then it's okay to say, yes, I'm going to buy it. If you're listening on the podcast right now, just go ahead and hit that button to rewind 15 seconds to hear that from Josh again. I'm Kevin and I just looked at each other and gave each other an amen uh, because that is good stuff. I see that a lot when people are making the decision to have a spouse go part-time or something like that. Yeah, we're not going to go backwards financially. It just means saying yes to that means we're going to say no to funding some of our goals. So we, I want to I pick that back up. Plus, we've got a crucial couple decades to cover, 50s and 60s. What are the biggest financial mistakes you need to avoid? So that and much more coming up here on Wise Money with Cohorn Financial Group, Newstock 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good morning, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. My name's Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin with me in the studio. Special thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and her team of realtors at REMAX 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. Today we're answering a question from Brian, or have been most of the show, about um, making a big financial mistake. And uh, we're kind of right in the thick of it right there. If you have your own question or comment, disagree with anything we've said or agree with it, hey, we love those too, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com, at wisemoneyradio on Facebook, or 574-222-2000. Okay, so Brian is 31, and he said... Listen, I'm a little concerned about the choppiness in the markets right now, and I'm wondering if I should get really conservative to avoid a mistake. And we said, hey, doing that in your 30s certainly could be a big mistake. And so we're talking about big financial mistakes, kind of generation by generation or decade by decade. And we just finished up talking about a big financial mistake in your 40s. I want to turn to what you guys think the biggest financial mistake is someone can make in their 50s. Well, I was thinking of this for, for your 40s, but it could also be for your 50s. Basically, you have the the squeeze play, and certainly when you get to the 50s, you start to become in this sandwich generation where you're taking care of the kids and maybe their college education, but you're also taking care of mom and dad, and they might need some extra care as well. But, I mean, there are really three main things that that folks focus on, whether they're getting out of the 40s and graduating to the 50s or whatever they're doing is, number one, making sure that their education plan is on track. So am I ahead? Am I behind? Am I right where I need to be? For educating the kids. For educating the kids. Yeah. And so, and, so, and the big question is, what am I willing to sacrifice? Am I willing to work an extra five years because I'm going to defer funds that should be going into my retirement plan and putting them into my education plan? Or if you have created some space, like Joshua was talking about, and you say, hey, we've got some extra money here, what do we do? Um, a lot of times, instead of going towards my education goal or my retirement goal, I'm thinking, hey, I've got some extra money. Why don't we get either a bigger house or a second house? Yeah. And it's it, those, those costs are so 
uh, deceptive. And I would encourage you to not make any of those decisions in a vacuum, whether you um, are looking at saying, hey, we're just going to take all the money and pay for the kid's education uh, and we're not going to worry about our retirement plan until we get there. Or um, Isn't that an interesting paradox, though? Because I think what you're alluding to, we've seen many folks who they wait until the kids are all out of the house and then they upgrade the house, Yeah, right? That's mm-hmm. when the big, beautiful dream house is purchased. And I, honestly, I can't necessarily blame them because I see the wear and tear that our kids have on, on the <laughs> no equipment. Kidding. And yeah. you're yeah. like, good grief. You, you're never going to have nice stuff or you should never have nice stuff when you have kids because they're just going to trash it. Right? Or when they're done with college, you move out and let them have the house. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Here, you can have the one looks, you trash. It looks like a frat house by then anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But because of this, though, many people, they are, they're not downsizing when the family is getting smaller, when there's less humans in the house. They're upgrading, and with it, maybe a bigger mortgage. There's more and more people that are going into retirement with a lot of debt on their shoulders still because they didn't, they didn't do the hustle to get completely debt-free before retirement they actually went and borrowed some new dollars for that second house or that bigger house. And it has implications long out into retirement. 15-year or 30-year mortgage is one of them, and which is a cash flow item that your retirement dollars would then, and Social Security would then need to support if you're making that decision. I had one more before we turn to the 60s. And just, I would say, a big risk, a financial mistake in your 50s is not taking care of your health. Uh, not taking care one. of your health. Because it's at that time where you're pouring a lot into your career and so on. It's harder to go work out or take care of yourself and eat right and all of these things, which is going to impact your cash, your medical spend in your 60s, 70s, and 80s if you don't take care of yourself. Good point. So Yeah, well, I this morning as I was working out and I was feeling the pain, and I, I thought, you know, after all these years, I still really don't enjoy this awful feeling that comes over <laughs> me when I'm in the gym and uh, feeling the pain. But I would I would throw one more thing in there, and this is actually out of the article. The article is going to be posted to our blog and I think our Facebook, Facebook page. page. Yep. You betcha. So, um, and this, I'm going to I'm going to give it my spin, which is actually Michael Gerber's spin. He wrote the E Myth Revisited, and he he talks about the entrepreneurial seizure. Yeah. But what I would I would tell you, don't try to hit a Hail Mary pass when you're in your 50s and say, hey, we have underprepared, and so we're going to go all in with our chips or we're going to bet the farm that we can start a business or do something along these lines and make up for all those years that we missed. Mm. And I'm not telling you not to do that. There, I think uh, Colonel Sanders didn't... Uh, <laughs> You know, his, his enterprise took off like crazy when he was maybe in his 60s. So, I, you know, don't, don't take my uh, advice on that. But I'd say be, just be, have some sort of cognitive awareness. Hey, am I, would I start this business because it's a good idea and it's a profitable venture? Or am I feeling kind of desperate so I'm willing to try anything to maybe get it done. So basically you're saying, hey, people are trying to start a business as this last ditch effort to build wealth going into retirement. Is that kind of what you're alluding to? Yep. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it, you know that particular book that you referenced, uh, Michael Gerber, he talks about this entrepreneurial seizure by people who just get fed up working for someone else. They just want to do it their way. They're often kind of an expert in their field, but they don't like how a business is being managed. So they just, I'm going to go do it myself. Before they know it, you know, they, they've got themselves almost trapped in this business that they started. It takes them away from financial freedom. And maybe they do earn more money. Maybe they do build up some value. But if their life isn't better for it, then was it a good decision? All right. Yeah. Be careful about joining the ranks of those people who work 70 hours a week to avoid working 40. (laughs) The retirement red zone. You're in your 60s. What are the biggest financial mistakes that people make? I'll start with with one that I think is obvious. We've talked about it on the show several times, and I think that's making a poor decision with Social Security. And often a poor decision, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes that means drawing it too early. Mm -hmm. Drawing it as soon as you possibly can which is just more so, hey, I've paid into the system for decades now, time for me to get something out of it versus, hey, what does my overall income plan look like? And how's inflation going to impact that? So what's the best decision I can make with Social Security? Well, it's an example of the type of decision that you make in your 60s that you have to live with for decades. Exactly. Right? Uh, you, you have to live with your decision on whether or not to put long-term care insurance in place. You know, that could be something that you say no to, but eventually you say no to it long enough and it's a permanent no. Here's why I think it's easy to m- fall into that temptation by drawing Social Security so quickly is you don't have clarity and confidence with your big picture retirement plan. You haven't built a plan that you can see tangibly, yep, things are going to make it, or if I make this decision to delay Social Security, here's how much better off I'll be. If you can see that in a plan, I think you're much more reasonable to say, yeah, you know, I'm going to delay Social Security for two years. We're going to live off this money instead. And this is it's going to mean this much extra in my financial life. Well, Mike, that ties right into the, the mistake that's cited in the article of not delegating. And I, th- I thought we for sure we have to mention that because that of all the mistakes is the most self-serving for us. Because when you look at this... <laughs> I figured you'd bring that up. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm telling you, because the, the study says, um, and, and there, this, this study was done, is that the, the peak financial decision-making age is 53, based on how people at different age groups made a handful of financial choices. So if your peak ability to make financial decisions is at 53, you want a certified financial planner on your team helping you make decisions, walk through these things. I mean, we're just coming through Medicare open enrollment, and I look and I say, so I go my whole life in a certain type of medical insurance and other things, and then at 65, I have to make this huge change. It is incredibly confusing. Mm -hmm. And so I look at that and say, yeah, you definitely want to have a plan and a planner, a guide to walk you through all of these difficult decisions. Who's bringing creativity to your financial life? Who's bringing confidence? And who's bringing clarity? A financial advisor, certified financial planner, should give you those three things. Creativity, clarity, and confidence to your financial life. Listen, we're going to wrap this all up, give you your action items in just a moment. Plus, you guys all knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Diane asked the question, how much should I spend on my daughter's wedding? You knew it was coming. I can't wait to get to it. That and more coming up on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Talk.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keen, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I paused there because my stomach was rumbling. I hope you're having a good breakfast and having uh, some coffee. My name's Mike, alongside Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory in the MNC studios. If you missed anything, check us out at wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call 574-222-2000 to submit a question. We are, we've spent most of the show tackling Brian's question about getting conservative with investments too early and how that's a big financial mistake. And then we went decade by decade and said, all right, what are the big financial mistakes that you could make just so that you can avoid them and stay on track with your financial life? We talked about the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Josh, I'm going to pass it over to you to kind of put it all together or even mention if you're in your 70s too. But what what's the wise takeaway that someone should get from today's discussion? Well, you know, I, I personally, I feel like the one mistake that we could have hit in every single one of these age bands, and Kevin kind of hit it uh, when we got to the 60s, was the idea of not having someone in your life that you can trust to make wise financial decisions. I mean, if, if you're in your 20s and, um, you know, you're wondering what's the biggest mistake, to me, it's not having a coach to help you get started building the best habits right out of the gate. If you're in the 30s, What's the biggest mistake? Not having that financial advisor who can help you juggle all the responsibilities that you're doing. In your 40s, again, not having a financial advisor who can help you integrate everything. To me, this is completely biased, and and you know that is the theme of this show, that financial planning is the process that you help avoid mistakes and then choose the great decisions instead of uh, you know settling for second best or worse. Mm-hmm. So... If you have not found that person, um, I, I'd encourage you, seek out a certified financial planner, someone who can help you with the big picture, regardless of what age you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we joke that it's self-serving. doesn't need to be us, folks. That's not why we have the show. It, the show is to help you take your next wise step in your financial life. So we want to break down, give you some of those ideas, give you something to take away, but then encourage you, apply it, apply it. Just having the great ideas but not do anything with it, that's not going to help you get anywhere. And give us the feedback too. You know, hop on our Facebook page and say, "Hey, I went and got a financial advisor. Thanks for the encouragement." Yeah. That gives us fuel to keep on going because, as you say, our mission is not to grow the number of people that uh, work with Corhorn Financial Group in a financial planning relationship. It's to grow the number of people who are doing financial planning. Period. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay, so let's talk about an area where people don't want to have a lot of financial advice. Uh, we knew this question was coming. You knew, you did, too. You've probably thought it before, but Diane finally asked it. Diane is 57. She's from Granger, and here's her question. How much should I pay for my daughter's wedding? That's wow. It. That's it, huh? What <laughs> no a details great on... question, Diane. I guess it depends on just... How much you love your daughter. How much you love oh your daughter, gosh. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> if you love her a little, pay a little. If you love her a lot, open that checkbook up and let's get going. Isn't that right? I mean, I, I so I, I wrote an article, if you missed it, it, it came out the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It was about Red Friday, not Black Friday, but how a lot of people 
are uh, so Black Friday is named such because retailers are often in the red, operating at a loss all year, and then finally make all this money on Friday, so they move back in the black. But a lot of consumers do the opposite. They've just held their budget barely together with, you know, MacGyver toothpicks and gum and all that stuff. But they hit the biggest shopping day of the year and they go negative. And I, I warned in that article that a lot of people try and match their love and affection for someone with the gift that they buy. Guys, you can't, you can't do it. And you can't do it with a wedding either. The, the, the $100,000 wedding isn't going to show your daughter that you love her more than the $10,000 wedding. It won't. See, I've often wondered, though, how many people feel the pressure to offer a certain wedding because of an image for the family as well. You know, what what, what kind of image are you portraying to your friends, family, neighbor who are all going to attend this wedding? You want to show that, hey, we're financially secure and we can send our our daughter or our son off into into married life right. Yeah, I think no matter what age band you're in, playing the compare game, just remember... It's going to steal your joy. Mm. It's going to leave you empty and disappointed. So, I, Diane, I would not compare yourself to anyone. I would look at your financial situation, and we, we already talked about that. How am I doing as far as funding any college education expenses, funding my retirement? How, is my, how am I coming at getting my house paid off? Diane, you're 57, so you should be rounding the bend there, getting that paid off. And, and then you just sit down and look and say, what are the resources that we have available? So we have, let's pick a, an easy number. Let's say $10,000. And you say, okay, we've got $10,000 to allocate toward the wedding. Now let's sit down with your daughter and figure out, hey, how are you and your future husband going to use this $10,000 from us to get the wedding done? Because that's the limit. Mm. I love that because... If you think about it, this may be one of the first true financial decisions that they have to make together. It's really a series of financial decisions. How do they prioritize? Because you know, ten thousand dollars can only be spent so many different ways. Uh, there's so many things that you need to squeeze into that ten thousand, and you're going to naturally have to squeeze some things out. But you want them to be making that decision together. If you never put the constraint of ten thousand dollars, then there's no squeezing, there's no prioritizing, there's no uh, comparing values and, and forcing them into this decision-making process together. Right, and if you, if, you, if you get it wrong, it's a way to have hurt feelings that can last a lifetime. And yeah. I think it's great to say to your daughter, there's a finite amount of money, you can work with your fiancé, and you can prioritize what's important to you, that's important to you, you do it, but there's a finite amount of money that come from mom and dad, which is a very different approach than, than saying to your daughter, hey, I am so excited. Let's go right now and see if we can book the hall because I know they book up uh, quickly in advance. So now I've already gone and spent X number of dollars before I've ever, you know, it's the, the Ready, Fire, Aim program. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's where I would, have, I would have a serious sit-down talk with your daughter and your future son-in-law and say, hey, this is what we're going to do and we'll encourage you and we can help you with your decision-making processes and 
how to do this, but this is what you get to work with. Well, for it to be that clear in your mind, it needs to be part of your financial plan. I love it when people come in and they actually list the wedding as a goal that they're trying to achieve. It's it's right there in the mix. You know, it's it's competition sometimes for retirement or college education or the next, uh, you know, the, the vacation paying down, house. Paying down the house. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So this is just one of the things you're trying to achieve. Does it go in the right place as far as priorities? And are you putting the right dollars towards it? When you when you discuss this in the context of financial planning, you start asking questions like, well, what am I willing to give up in order to achieve this goal of 10000 or 15000 or whatever the dollar amount is for the wedding? You willing to go get a second job? You willing to cash in some long-term investments, sell that bass boat? You willing to retire just a little bit later? What is it that you're willing to give up to make this happen? Mm-hmm. I think this is also an opportunity for great financial leadership. Now, this is hard. That'd be a hard discussion to have, telling your daughter who you want to have the day of her dreams, right? She's been dreaming about it forever. You want to have it be the fairy tale. But so it'd be hard to say, nope, there's some limits here. But I think that is great financial leadership to set your daughter up and her future husband for the realities that there's tension between the amount of income you make and the various financial goals and desires that you have. And so actually this could be a really big gift if you're willing to have that tough conversation. What I hope you're not hearing Diane and everyone else is that we're telling you to say no to that wedding of her dreams. We're not saying that. We want you to be realistic about what that looks like and how far the dollars can stretch because the days of Pinterest being online, that wedding can be beautiful on a budget. Oh yeah, my goodness, absolutely. it can be. Um, but live within the real constraints. So. Yeah, I, I'm just marveling at Mike talking about Pinterest. Hey, you know, <laughs> let's let's hang out at 930 tonight. I'll show you. <laughs> you got to wonder how old are girls when they start planning their own wedding, though? Yeah. You know, how many 14-year-olds have... Uh, have already started capturing pictures of what they envision it to be and you and can so have on. you can have the wedding of your dreams without making it a financial nightmare for the parents and and, and I think a lot of parents do still support their kids uh, their adult kids financially and I, I think this could be a launching pad to make sure that you don't do that and you help them get established on their financial life so Great question, Diane. Hopefully that was helpful. Hopefully today's show was helpful. If you missed anything, check us out on iTunes or on wisemoneyradio.com. All right, folks, on behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself, the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, Newstalk 95.3, Nick Hammond, News Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.